You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D on the other side of the field. Hey, what's up over there, buddy? Cliff, come over here. Cliff, come over here. I'm over here. Hey, hey, I'm over here. Come over here, buddy. <laughs> I'm here, live and in color, brother. What's up, man? How are you? Doing good. Doing good. So, so tell us about, uh, we got, uh, want to hear about your experiences, because I know you went to the game this week uh, in Ottawa. Um, we have... We were lucky enough to have the, uh, two of the three guys from the Edmonton Eskimos pod with us this week, uh, Mike and Kayla. Uh, they're talking about this week's uh, matchup with the Eskimos in Edmonton, uh, and a lot more to talk about. Uh, but first, I want to I want to hear about your experience uh, about the, your experience for the the game in uh, in Ottawa this weekend. I wasn't able to make it. It was the fan uh, bus trip. <laughs> I had to get that right. Fan bus trip this week. Uh, looked like they had a full, full. Uh, it was full up for Alouette's fans. I don't know where. Where were they sitting? Do you know? Uh, they were actually sitting on the south side because uh, I was actually just above them. Because my seats, uh, I, I wasn't with the fan bus, but because uh, I went to the game sort of by my well with uh, our tailgate crew in Montreal. Okay. Uh, but the uh, they were sitting on the south side, kind of below us in the lower bowl area. Uh, and they had great seats as well, which is excellent because they were actually right behind the Alouettes bench. Uh, still had a great view of the field and everything. I mean, there's really not a bad seat in TD Place. I mean, that stadium is absolutely fantastic. I, agree I mean, folks, if, yeah. if you've got a chance to go to Ottawa and see a, a Red Blacks game, whether the Alouettes are in it or not, I mean, just you'll have a great time at TD Place. I mean, they really do. They really hit a home run when it came to redeveloping that area and redeveloping the, the football aspect of things. I mean, it is just a terrific terrific place to watch football yeah yeah um i mean yeah i hear hear you had good seats too man i mean it's like first last week you get this uh, those upgraded seats this week you get the upgraded seats in ottawa i'm telling you it's it's good being cliffy d you're coming as football snob (laughs) not a snob i just happen to be i'm I'm taking full advantage of my celebrity status so you know what i'm embracing being cliffy d Cliffy D gets good tickets. Nice. Make that a hashtag. Cliffy D gets good tickets. Hashtag Cliffy D good tickets. <laughs> so, so how, what was your what was your overall experience with the with the game? Because I said, I mean, uh, what, are they fifty five yard line seats, fifty yard line seats. Yes, sir. Fifty five yard line. Like I said, on the upper deck, so you sort of had a nice view of everything, like oh, throughout the the entire field, scoreboard, all that stuff. It was just a phenomenal experience. And I'll backtrack a little bit. Just talk about the tailgate atmosphere yeah, at Brewer Park in Ottawa. Please do. Whew. Let me tell you, our nation—they put on a party. I, I, I tell you what, like say what you will about uh, the fans in Ottawa. I know sometimes they get a bad rap because sometimes they're a little, uh, a little wild, a little crazy, maybe not having the most uh, football sense. But I tell you what, the, there's some great people in our nation, and they put on a fantastic tailgate. Like they, they same the same as we do in Montreal. They set up shop, even though it's uh, sort of away from the stadium a little bit. They set up shop. They got the barbecues going. Uh, 
the the beer is flowing like wine and they just they're, they're just gonna have a good time and yeah Montreal fans can come and crash and crash the party a little bit to have some fun with them as well it was it was absolutely outstanding it was definitely a, a great time uh, shout out to all the the fine folks in Ottawa the, of our nation uh, they tailgate they come they come to Montreal and tailgate and we go to their place and tailgate it, it's absolutely fantastic I mean that just really is what makes this league so much fun so fantastic is being able to Forget about the fact that there's you know any sort of rivalry or anything like that. No, it it's just we're all here for the same thing. We're here to watch football. We're here to have a good time. We're here to have fun, and that's what it is all about. And that just makes that adds to the stadium experience, as far as I'm concerned. Like going to a live football game is supposed to be fun. So the tailgate, you go there, have a couple of pops. You you go in there, you you're feeling good. Go watch a football game. Hopefully your team wins. And even if they don't, so what? You still had a good time. Like to me, that's what makes the cfl so outstanding yeah but you know what it uh makes it a little bit better when you win <laughs> yes and you know what montreal nearly did win yes. that's the beauty that's what's incredible i mean especially after last week's uh, or the week before that showing against the hamilton tiger cats was not good whereas this week uh despite the loss uh montreal looked i'd say decent at least you could see something there and i I, I, I got to say, uh, Johnny Manziel definitely looked a lot more prepared this week. He definitely looked a lot more poised behind center. And I tell you what, I mean, even though he only he only generated uh, 160 some odd yards of of passing, he moved the ball. He was able to see the field in a whole new way. And yeah. I think a lot of the receivers weren't quite ready for it. I think that's one of the reasons why some of those drops were just happening was because either the receiver was quitting the route because – they didn't think that Johnny was going to throw it that far, or when they did throw, when he did throw the ball, I don't, I don't think they knew how to react because they weren't weren't quite expecting it. Like it's almost like, well, that's why you practice, guys, so you can get a chance to learn the idiosyncrasies, if you will, of your quarterback and just to develop that relationship. But I'm telling you right now, Tim, I saw it's just a small sample size, but I really feel a lot more confident now of Johnny Manziel playing as quarterback for the Alouettes than I did a week ago. I think just He's only going to get better with time. Uh, it sounds cliche, but just from what I've seen so far in Ottawa, compared to what we saw against uh, Hamilton here at, uh, in Montreal, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to. I'm not still not on the Johnny Manziel bandwagon by any stretch of the imagination. But from what I did see, I can't help but be just a little bit impressed and a little bit more hopeful of what's to come as as things get better as he practices more and more with the team and just that that chemistry starts to build and develop yeah i i definitely see the foundation that i keep talking about is you got to be building a foundation towards something better and i never thought in a million years that johnny manzel would be a part of that foundation but at least this past saturday you saw that you saw a little bit of that and i'm telling you what ls fans stick around there's there is definitely a lot of fight left in this team i i think so too i mean manzel had a, had had more than uh 200 yards of total offense uh, 16 to 26, 168, no touchdowns, no intercept. That's the huge thing. No interception. That was huge. Um, he also had three rushes for 36 yards, almost had a, uh, his first touchdown period in the CFL, but, uh, a hit, which we want to talk about. I'm sure, uh, fumbled the ball at the goal line and Christian Matt, uh, came out of nowhere to, to jump on that ball. And, uh, he got, he got, uh, credit for the touchdown. Uh, pardon the pun, but he was Johnny on the spot right ah, there. Ah, I see what you just did there. Uh, Terrell Sutton, <laughs> 10, uh, 10 attempts for 63 yards. Again, 
I, I underutilized in my opinion. Um, the leading receiver for the team uh, was uh, Ernest uh, yeah, Jackson. Ernest Jackson. Who? What? He woke up from his his season long nap. Okay. Ernest Jackson. Like if nothing else, and again, uh, Johnny Manziel haters. I told. I totally get the Johnny Manziel haters, but man, if you can get production out of this current incarnation of Ernest Jackson, you must be doing something right. Because man, I, I my jaw was on the floor. I'm like, that's that's the Ernest Jackson that we were promised a year ago when he signed as a free agent here in Montreal. Yeah, like again, still a very small sample size, but like that's it. Like if you can get something out of Ernest Jackson, you must be doing something right in football, and that's what Johnny Manziel did. He he woke up a, a sleeping giant, I think. So yeah. same thing with Darius Bowman too. His first game as a uh, as an Alouette uh, hadn't really been uh, really wasn't the same type of wide receiver that he was in Edmonton. But when he went over to, to Winnipeg, but uh, Bowman got in, into the uh, got into the mix also. I mean, second leading receiver on the team with forty yards, uh, setting at twenty five. Said he always seems to be getting into the mix here, no matter rushing or or, or receiving. B.J. Cunningham, only 22 yards. I think one of the biggest stats for B.J. Cliff that stands out. He had two receptions, okay, for 22 yards, but he had six targets and only two receptions. Yeah. Uh, I think this is what I was talking about. Like, there was a, a couple times where he had balls that he – normally he makes those catches, but just this particular game, it just – it didn't click. I chalk it up to a bad day at the office for him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I was watching him. Like, that's not the B.J. I know. Like, I – Something's got to be off, but yeah, I I just hope that's the ex- the exception and not the rule because again you talk about one of the more phenomenal players. If anyone is going to benefit from Johnny Manziel's quarterback, it's going to be B.J. Cunningham because B.J. is a playmaker all day long, yeah. and that's what Johnny needs. Johnny needs someone that once they develop that chemistry that I keep talking about, that sort of understanding between quarterback and receiver. If they can develop that, I mean that could be a very explosive tandem right there oh, so sure. I, I i'm really hoping and praying that that chemistry develops and develops quickly because there's something there and if not then you know you've got a darius bowman you've got eugene lewis you've got now believe it or not ernest jackson i mean there's there are now some weapons in this arsenal for johnny Menzel. it's just a matter of they all have to start working together they also have to start coming together and there's still time in this season to at least develop something anything so this is the time. So I, I'm really hoping that uh, as there's more practices going on and Manziel starts connecting with his receivers, I really hope to see more of that. And not just in practice, but on the actual football field on game day, too. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, you know, the, the big thing is obviously the Owls only lose by by seven points. They give up the, the their final. They give the, the winning touchdown uh, with 15 seconds left. But by that time, unfortunately, they were just the defense was gassed. I mean, the the Red Blacks. You know, had had a a grand total of 587 net yards, 587. You know, Trevor Harris himself at 487. Uh, but you know, I think the big stat is is that the Alouettes they were able to get to get five turnovers. Uh, very rare, Cliff, that you have a team get five turnovers and lose a game. Uh, but in this case, it's you know there are just a lot of variables where. The second half, the Owls were just seemed to be on the field way too much. When you finish the game, Cliff, where you know Ottawa holds the ball for 36 minutes, uh, that's it's kind of you know usually expect the, you know, that the score would be a little bit higher, but the yardage kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And 
talking about that first half for the Red Blacks. They just couldn't get anything going. Like they try to establish a rhythm and then boom, turn the ball over. They try another series, boom, turn the ball over. And that pick six by, uh, oh, yeah. by Chris Aki. Oh, yeah. What yeah. a thing of beauty. Oh. And, and the strip. <laughs> and the strip by Chip Cox. I know Chip Cox, who uh, another one who has been sleepwalking throughout the entire season, just comes alive. Like, man, like this, this is the Chip Cox that I remember, the Chip Cox that I think a lot of Alouettes fans still think is there and for whatever reason hasn't been there all season. But, uh, yeah, we saw that Chip Cox again, the, the one that was one of the more outstanding players of the Canadian Football League and not just sort of running on fumes like he has been this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the defense in the first half, I think – was really on point. But like you said, they spent way too much time on the field because Manziel, for whatever reason, still as much as he was able to move the ball in the first half and even almost scoring that touchdown in the third quarter, there was still too many two and outs and just things just couldn't click click and defense ends up spending way too much time on the field. And as you said, they were, they were gassed by the, by the fourth quarter. By the way, great, uh, great segue to what I was going to bring up too. talk about second down. You know, the Alouettes have been, They've had their issues this year, this year on second down. I mean, uh, seven to seventeen is not bad. Seven to seventeen is not bad for the for the Alouettes. I mean, it's it's still not where I would want them to be. Um, but this is this is the telling stat right here. Ottawa Cliff was twenty of thirty one on second down. That is absolutely mind blowing. That's the difference between a first place team and a last place team. That's there's no two ways about it. Even if it is the Eastern Division, I don't care. I mean. Trevor Harris makes something out of nothing every single time. I don't know how he does it. It's just whether it's dumb luck or could actually be skill. It's so hard to say because there's a lot of plays where he has no business getting first downs. And yet he does. And these receivers, he's got Greg Ellingson, Brad Sinopoli, Deontay Spencer, who, by the way, that drop in that first quarter was painful to watch. And I'm and I'm there supporting the Alouettes and I see it like, Oh dude, how could you do that? <laughs> like as a strictly as a football player, how do you drop that? You had this team dead to rights. You, you had nothing but green in front of you. Yeah. Ah, oh, and what a time to, to get the yips. Yeah. Like, now the, the red blacks, man, they had five players over 70 re- yards receiving five. That's not. And Greg Alexson had, I think he had his uh, second best game of the year. If I'm not mistaken, because he's he's been sort of sort of quiet. You, you know, the name has really been Brad Sinopoli. Um, yeah. But one thing, by the way, and this is another thing I want. Oh, by the way, Powell too. I mean, 104 yards. See, this is where I expect Sutty to be. I mean, 17 attempts, 104 yards, and a touchdown. No, and this is what I talk about. Like, if you were to put Tyrell Sutton on the Red Blacks instead of William Powell, he would be getting those kind of numbers. I guarantee you. Oh yeah, I agree. Like, it has nothing to do with skill whatsoever. It's just that Suddy is that good of a player. He's just grossly underutilized. Whereas Ottawa, despite the fact they've got a very solid quarterback and they've got great receivers, they still incorporate the run game. And it just seems to be at the right time. And William Powell is just racking up stats. And it, it blows my mind that Montreal can't use Tyrell Sutton that way. It, I just I just don't understand it's it. Like they could, yeah, it's like they completely abandoned the, the run, which they shouldn't be because you can see how well Suddy does, you know, coming out of the backfield as an option, you know? So it's, it's like, I just don't understand. I mean, do we need to go back and, and check and see how Kahari Jones used to, how he used to utilize his wide his, his uh, running backs while in BC? I don't know because it, it just doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's a quarterback situation too. Maybe that will change. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of defense, I know they were gas, but uh, Dozier and Glass 
13 and 12 tackles uh, respectively, Mm. which is mind-boggling because Glass, you know, he is, he seems to be getting burned quite a bit as of late, but I mean, 12 tackles, it's a pretty good night, and I think he also returned punts, right? Uh, he returned a couple, but uh, it's still William Standback that's uh, right. handling most of that duty and still also doing a phenomenal job. I mean, all things considered, like I said, it's not easy replacing a Stefan Logan, but uh, William Standback has been doing a great job. I was expecting to see a little bit more of TJ Graham, uh, not just as a receiver, but also as a returner. But yeah. uh, I tell you, it, it's so nice to have those options. So, And the fact that William Standback was just kind of flying under the radar because as a running back – you're you're not going to give up. Uh, you're not going to get too many reps. Uh, take away too many reps from uh, Tyrell Sutton, but uh, he's been holding his own. Both him and Ryder Stone, and uh, the fact that Standback was able to sort of I don't say, necessarily reinvent himself, but at least he sort of realized that okay, I've got to stand out somehow on this team. And what better place to do so than special teams? And the, it, it's, it sounds terrible to say, but Stefan Logan's injury has been kind of a blessing in disguise because now we get to see William Standback in action and. He's been a very, very solid addition, and I said one of the few bright spots on this Alouettes team, to be honest with you. Yeah. Now there were a couple of things that really that both you and I do feel where the uh, what really was the tipping point in this game, uh, besides the defense just being gassed. Uh, unfortunately, and it's come up way too many times this year already, and that is in the kicking situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Boris Bede again, uh, missing field goals. I mean, remember we only lose. We only lost by seven. So yeah, that and, and a lot of people, a lot of fans, especially on social media, are saying that the Alouette's collapse started in the second half with the kick out of bounds for a penalty. Yeah. And it, it's funny. Like, you, you wouldn't necessarily look at that necessarily as the TSN turning point. But, uh, yeah, uh, Betty's kicking has just been so inconsistent as of late. And... Uh, yeah, I, I, the frustration from Alouette's fans and when media types, too, are also noticing that uh, it, it, he's so wildly inconsistent right now. It, it's disheartening because, yeah, that pretty much set things up so for Ottawa to basically crawl back into this game because they were kind of spinning their tires a little bit. And Montreal didn't take, really take advantage of that as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the defense stepped up for sure in that first half. Uh, I mean, they're the ones that scored the points essentially <laughs> for, yeah. for the for the Alouettes. I That's mean, true. I mean, Manzel couldn't quite connect with his receivers, so the defense had to step up. But I mean, defense can't do everything. I mean, it's not a Noel Thorpe defense that can score points and beat the crap out of other quarterbacks, which again we did see in this particular game. Except now that Noel Thorpe's on the Red Blacks, so that's uh-huh. that's not necessarily good for Alouettes fans. Uh, but again, with Bede, uh, some of these kicks are just underwhelming would be a good way to describe it but just the fact that giving up such good field position sooner or later ottawa was going to get their act together and figure out how to score points whether it was by field goals or touchdowns and that's pretty much what they did in the second half they found out how to remember how to score touchdowns and lewis ward who in my opinion is definitely going to be in consideration for uh, special teams or just rookie of the year for the Eastern division and special teams extraordinaire. I mean, he's now made 22 consecutive field goals, which is now a record in the CFL for a rookie. Uh, just outstanding. Just uh, the way he was able to get Ottawa back into it. And like you said, the, the fourth quarter defense was gassed. Trevor Harris was able to have their way with them and bled the clock down, hand the ball to William Powell. And that's ball game folks. Yeah, uh, I, I'm just I'm looking at it right here. The 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 thing by Betty was in the fourth quarter, 
Um, it, it it's killer. It's just killer, man. It happened with uh, with thir- thirteen forty nine left, just the beginning. Twenty one yard punt, out of bounds, illegal punt, uh, and they enforced it from uh, from the Ottawa twenty three. So I mean, it's uh, it's it's not what you want. It's not what you want. And as I said, from there, it 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 just went from there. So. <laughs> No, and Ottawa is not Ottawa. Is, they're they're so wishy washy when it comes to which team is going to show up, and especially after blowing a twenty four point lead to the Argos last week, you figured they would have been coming in like white hot, like pissed off, ready to go. Yeah, and they too were just kind of limp for the first half, but eventually they figured it out. Like they and Montreal let them hang around. That's the thing that really bothers me more than anything else. If if anything else is that. You can't just coast on an you know eight points in the first half and expect to to walk out of there with a win. It just doesn't work that way. No, 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 it does not. Um, I, I think one one of the big things that we have to talk about is it happened in the third quarter, and, and uh, you know, um, you know, Manzel looked like he was going, you know, he was going ham on everybody, especially if he started to be able to run, so being, being able to do the passes that he needed to do. Uh, looked like he was about to score his first CFL touchdown. He gets whacked at the goal line, picked up by Christian Matt for the touchdown. Um, a lot of people, and I was looking at it too, and I had to see a replay again to understand what people were talking about, but what's your thought on, on Manziel? Because obviously there is should be a, a concussion protocol in the, in the CFL. Uh, a lot of people are saying just by how he slumped after getting hit and dropping the ball, uh, that it's very possible that he had been concussed in some way, shape, or form, but uh, brought him to the sidelines, uh, you know, massaged his neck. It's basically what they did. Massaged his neck, seemed to be okay, smiling, laughing, da-da-da-da. But was Manziel the same after that? But I think the first question I have to ask you, Cliff, is do you think, A, that he received a concussion, and B, do you think, if that's the case, was what happened with the concussion protocol? Well, and again, I hate to sound like one of those like tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorists, Hold but on. Let, me, uh, let me take mine off. Hold on. <laughs> Go ahead. But I can't help but wonder if, again, with the fact that Johnny Manziel is playing and the ratings are so important for TSN, is was there pressure to keep Manziel in the game? If he provided he wasn't missing a limb or anything like that, like it's just get out there and play. I, I, I just seeing that lick that he took from Jonathan Rose. I mean, he looked to me like he was definitely out, almost out on his feet practically. And I know they say there's there's spotters that are supposed to be paying attention for a potential concussion issues or anything like that from players, and nothing came up. Allegedly, he did pass the co- the concussion protocol. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the fact that Manziel just wasn't as sharp, he wasn't quite clicking mentally with his receivers or anybody else for that matter on the the ensuing drives it just i have a feeling he he probably was concussed i i i'm i'm just having a hard time believing otherwise quite frankly just based on how he played and maybe it really was just a really bad stinger and i sincerely hope for his sake that it was because concussions concussions are no fun for anybody no but uh again this is just one of these things I, i can't help but think about is was there so much pressure for Manziel to stay in the game that they sort of kind of swept it under the rug and just kind of told him, rub some dirt on it, you're fine, get out there? It's hard to say, but just the fact that Montreal really still couldn't 
generate a whole lot of offense as a result. I mean, would it really have been so bad to put Antonio Pipkin in for a couple of series just to really let Manziel clear his head and just sort of, you know, maybe get himself back on track? It's hard to say. I mean, I'm not a doctor myself, so I really can't speak to how the Alouettes and their their medical staff do their thing. But uh, as far as I was concerned, I, I really believe he was concussed. And there's very little to tell me otherwise, to tell you yeah. the truth. Yeah, if I'm looking at it here. After he got, after that, after the touchdown, I think he was like one. Uh, he did uh, three of eight. I think it was three of eight, if I'm not mistaken. And basically, you know, the, after the three-minute warning, uh, um, Ottawa controlled the ball uh, all the way to the horn, um, except for some some weird stuff after after Ottawa got you know after Ottawa scored the, the go-ahead touchdown. It's it's hard to say because as I said, it's I mean we have seen things where they have not been concussed. The, all things only show up later. And I am just hoping that with what Coach Sherman has said, that with, you know, uh, most people, you know, we were uh, being asked about uh, about Johnny and him not practicing today, that it was a scheduled medical appointment uh, and not for concussion, as it was said, uh, that it said it wasn't for. So, mm-hmm. I, as I said, Will, you know, we've seen we've seen stuff pop up afterwards. I mean, look at poor Sid, Car- you know, Sidney Crosby. He's had stuff pop up after the fact. That's uh, true. So, you know, concussions not to be screwed with. Not to be screwed with, especially with the health, health of these players. So, And also, too, one thing I couldn't help but notice, too, is Manziel, just leading up to that drive, mm-hmm. he looked like Johnny Football. Yeah, he yeah. looked like the guy that was coming as advertised. And then afterwards, he just seemed, like, dialed down. Like, And again, that's it, maybe it was self-preservation. Maybe it was... Uh, you know, maybe he was just trying to protect himself, you know, from further damage or anything like that. But I mean, it just it it almost was a tale of two quarterbacks at that point. That's like, that's the point though, where you don't where you're trying to protect yourself from getting hurt, that you're going to get hurt. Get hurt. That, mm-hmm. that we don't want that to occur. So we'll we'll have to see what happens once once the you know once we add, the, the game comes up this week versus Edmonton and see, um, you know, uh, these days with Coach Sherman saying that Johnny will start or Johnny will play. Yeah, well, so far, Coach, you're actually zero for one. Even though we understood your reasoning from why you said that uh, openly, um, but yeah, uh, I guess it's, right now it's a wait and see type of thing. Uh, Pipkin did take his reps, take first team reps today, so we'll see tomorrow uh, what what comes of it. So good luck to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I mentioned before, uh, we were lucky enough to have the guys from the Eskimos Empire podcast talk about this week's game. Let's uh, get to our guests, and when we get back. Uh, a few more CFO-related items that we want to talk about. So we got to talk about the game this week. Uh, and, you know, the, I guess the best way to do so is to hear about how fans from the other team think that they're going to do versus how that Cliffy and I think that we're going to do this week. I think we all have the same mindset, but we still got to talk about it anyways. <laughs> we got the guys, a couple guys from the Eskimos Empire podcast. We got Super Fan Mike, and we got the webmistress Kayla with us this week. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thanks for having us. Yes. First, we got to ask you, Mike, how do you keep all that stuff in your head, dude? I love listening. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I love listening I, to you. It's, you know, all your segments you do on the, on the pod and whatnot. I mean, it's most of the stuff, actually, uh, I just keep in a spreadsheet. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I need to remember half of that stuff anymore. But I mean, I don't really have a life, so <laughs> oh. sit around at home watching old games back in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, and going, "Oh yeah, I remember that now." <laughs> 
then you must be like a prime subscriber to YouTube or something. You don't need commercials on YouTube anymore. You just watch all the games, all the S games that are that are currently on YouTube that you may not have on tape. I, well, I've got uh, I think 450 games on DVD. Oh my god! Holy yeah, just a few <laughs> going back to the that. 30s. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I was going to say, Killer didn't know that. That's impressive. That's, yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's impressive. Man, you better hope DVDs don't become obsolete. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's like, what am I going to do now? I can't stream these. I'm old school. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we got the game coming up this week. I mean, it's it's true that the Alouettes, it really in their history, have really have not had a very good uh, a very good time in Edmonton. Uh, wow, since since the team first first met, I think it was back in 61. Um, I mean, when you only have 10 wins out of uh, 10 wins in 38 games at Commonwealth or in Edmonton, uh, it doesn't really bode well. And especially with today's Alouettes, it's just what is there anything really that the Alouettes can do that would surprise you to stay in this game this week? <laughs> yeah, I mean, me personally, I think that the the running game is going to be key for Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember the last game in Montreal, Vernon Adams had a great game on the ground. Not yeah. so great through the air, but uh, he racked up, what, 70, 80 yards mm-hmm. against us rushing. And I think that's kind of the Achilles heel. Manziel is going to be a similar kind of player, right? He's very elusive. Uh, he'll run around like crazy and, and maybe squeak out that first down. And that's really deflating for a defense, I think. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. Like, even in the first showing that they had uh, a couple weeks ago, it's not like they came out, you know, puttering. They kind of blew us out of the water in the first little bit. Like, they they controlled, what, the first half-ish or so? So it's not like they, they can't do it, especially if they stop. Like, your defense, Yale's defense, stops our receivers. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we struggled with last week, which is terrifying. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's true. the The last two games with the Eskimos in Montreal, they mirrored each other from the from the Cliff. Will remember this one specifically. That the rain game on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Terrell Sutton was an absolute beast. The last game with, was with Vernon Adams. Terrell really didn't have that much of a a, a big a say um, in the game itself. But it's, uh, it's. I, I don't know. It's. It's funny. This. It seems that the. That the Alouettes this year, they, can they just not play all their games on the road this year? Um, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it just seems to be that's where they're doing the best. I mean, considering the Owls have not won a home game in eons, um, mm-hmm. it, it's just that, I, I don't know, guys. I mean, it's you, you talk about these the, the last two games that the Alouettes have played, and you're like, okay, if we can go one and one, or two and one, rather, with the, the games in the Eastern Division, yeah. and, and lose to, uh, to Edmonton, okay, that's okay. But, man... Um, I mean, Cliff, anything else that we could can do, I mean, to counteract, you know, who is the one of the most expensive guys in the uh, in the fantasy this year? Mike Riley. I mean, is anything else that we can do? Matt, I tell you, I mean, like I, I can't help but admire Mike Riley just as a quarterback and just how he commands the huddle and just puts the team on his back and just wills them to win. I mean, Kayla, Mike, you got to agree like this, the way this guy plays just it's on another level. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing like watching Mike Riley play. When he is on, he is on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. i got to agree 100%. I mean, the last game we played against Montreal, his quarterback rating was 156.3. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, considering it peaks at 158.3, you got to figure it's a pretty special game. But Riley's just one of those guys that he has this culture of winning he brings to the team. And I mean, I was living in Victoria up until a couple of years ago. And so I would see a lot of those BC games, including when Riley was starting out. And you could just see it then. This is a, definitely a special guy and he just gets better with age. And to have like the comeback kid always on your side in the fourth quarter is a little relaxing at some in some games. Not so much last week, but naturally speaking, like most games, it's you're almost guaranteed to at least have a a very close game in the fourth quarter. Well, you're lucky. I mean, you, at least you can say you've had a quarterback, a hell of a, you know, one starting quarterback for the longest time compared to us, who I think we're out. Mantel's our 15th since AC went down, Cliff. Is that, oh is that what goodness. it is now? 14th. 14th? 14? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Can you, it, I actually did not know that. We should just get one jersey, Cliff, and just put one name up top, start with Calvillo, and then put a piece of duct tape over it and continue going down, 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 down. <laughs> or just put quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Zero. yeah. QB1. Your name here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you'd sell a lot of those, actually. That's hilarious. Uh, shout out to the uh, to the Owls uh, uh, store. That's the next yes. seller. Even you could be a quarterback. <laughs> Hashtag your name here. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Oh man, um, it's you know it. You look at the you know Owls have lost uh, four straight in, in Edmonton. Uh, they've lost I think eight in a row. Sorry, nine in a row, including this year to the Eskimos. And they're going into this game where things seem to be getting a little bit better on offense because that's obviously been the Achilles heel this year. And yeah, but it's with Mike Riley under center and with the amount of yards that the Owls have been giving up on defense, like last week for us, they were just gassed by the fourth. I mean, do do we not see Riley doing basically the similar thing that he did to Alouettes a few weeks ago? I mean, it was either the long stuff or the dinks dinks and dunks for, that went for, for for big yardage. I think the worst thing that could have happened to the Owls is the BC game last week. Uh, BC is a team that yeah. averages over 400 yards against every game, mm-hmm. and they really controlled Edmonton, so Edmonton had to probably sit back, watch that film, and figure out how to counter it. Had they not done that, had Edmonton blown out BC, I think maybe Montreal, uh, Edmonton would have gone in against Montreal a little maybe cocky, so we'll we'll see, but I don't think that bodes well for you. <laughs> Yeah, I actually absolutely agree with that. However, the dumbest thing to do, I think any team realizes this, though, is just assume you're going to win against a te- sure. another team. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I'm going to say the Owls, have, I'm sure that Cliff and I remember the Owls doing what we felt was that them doing the exact same thing. And, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, there's definitely, I saw some improvements for sure oh, in for the last sure. game. So, you know, you never know. Like, I'm not going to give any shining light to Manziel because he has to prove himself. But I think that, you know, they did hold their own a little bit better against Red Blacks. That's yeah. who they played, right? Yeah, yep. exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. and, and, but it's tough, too. It's very rare that you see a team lead with five, uh, I think it was five overall turnovers, uh, yeah. four, and lose a game. Yeah. Right. But again, I think it goes to that the defense was just gassed. And um, now, what do you think? Uh, what is the one thing that the, that the S have to do? in your opinion, in order to win this game versus the Owls this week? Me, uh, me personally, I mean, they've got to control that line of scrimmage and they have to contain Manziel. They've got to make him beat Edmonton through the air. 
if they can do that, I think then they've got a real shot. If the second he gets outside, runs, gets those first downs, you know, especially if he gets a couple in a row, that's going to really frustrate our defense and, and put it on the heels a bit. The, the problem is, no matter what, you've still got to contain Riley, and that's going to be the toughest task. So, yeah, you know, uh, not a lot of teams have done it, but, uh, you know, any given Sunday yeah, or RD, Saturday. RD is just so young. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Now, I want to ask you guys, uh, Jason Moss, as far as a play caller goes, guy knows what it takes to win. But that seems to get lost in all the, uh, I want to say, sideshow of him flipping out, throwing headsets, uh, wrestling Gatorade jugs and all that. How do you, as supporters of the team, how do you sort of, I don't want to say justify, but sort of, how do you... How do you relate to that? Like, how how do you not look at that and be like, because again, we have a sort of similar situation with Mike Sherman and his inability to work a microphone, but he's not doing it out of anger, <laughs> just out of just out of doesn't know how to work a microphone. How, oh, how, how therapy you've just undone, I tell you. So, how do you guys deal with Coach Mott? Like, how do you separate the great play caller from the hothead? Shall we say? Um, do you want to go first, Mike? Or sure. Um. You know what? I, I think that those of us that remember Riley as a player, remember how fire he was. I mean, you'd see him reaming out the offensive line on the on the bench while the while defense was playing. He hasn't changed as a as an offensive play caller or a head coach. That's just who he is. The thing is, the team will go through a wall for that guy because he's real and they know what they're going to get with him. That being said, if you watch the game last week, we had the live mics on again and. You didn't hear that. Like when there was a call going the other way, he was saying that the defense put themselves in a position for the, the referees to make that kind of call. No crazy things. He was on um, 630 Ched, the uh, the voice of the Eskimos here on radio, uh, saying that he has to be better and he's something he's been working on and he knows it starts with him. So, you know, maybe he's turned things around and I certainly hope so uh, because nobody likes to see the the crazy thing with the the Gatorade jug or the smashing a headset to bits, but uh, or if he can be better, he's a he's deadly guy. On. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of take a different approach actually. Um, I don't actually separate the two. Um, the uncontrollable craziness that is Moss versus the play calling. I think they're one and the same person, and I think the only reason that we're actually seeing that is. A lot of people have speculated because he didn't want the live mics. Um, TSN kind of held a little bit of a grudge over him. And um, during any kind of penalty call, TSN will always know pan on Moss expecting some kind of show, um, which I get. He is very animated. And um, as one who also loses her temper very quickly, I actually am very empathetic with that because I'm very much the same way. And I do understand that he is a coach and he needs to hold himself at a higher standard. However, I have seen other coaches lose their absolute living marbles on the sidelines, yet it's never on TV. Like Coach Jones, when he was here a couple weeks ago, I saw that mouth going and I saw his hands going and he was having a very live show too. So it's not just one coach and it is his personality and it's not justifying, you know, some of the antics, but you have, you hold everyone to the same standard. And I don't think that everyone is as far as Moss goes. So I will support him through all his, I mean, unless he's starting to actually physically harm someone in some way, but his passion, it's hard to, it's hard to really tone down that kind of passion. And I actually, 
commend him for doing such an an amazing job last week because he was so calm it was actually freaky <laughs> so so i i understand everyone else's point of view however being that type of person i completely understand and it, to me it's honestly entertain it's a form of entertainment so it doesn't actually bother me <laughs> well i mean yeah i i, I mean uh, we just coach sherman just seems to be the <laughs> total opposite of, of, yes. of, of that eh, cliff i mean it's I've referred to him as like the bumbling uncle that you'd see on like a reality show, which is kind of like he's kind of there for comedy relief. I mean, like he might be a great coach and he's done some amazing stuff in the NFL and NCAA. But uh, right now, it seems like the only thing you sort of focus on when it comes to him is like the the, the goofiness, really. Like and I don't think he, he does it intentionally. It's just sort of it just sort of happens. Like, again, you can't even enjoy the fact that the Alouettes have their one win. And what does everybody focus on? Not that the fact that the Alouettes more or less controlled the game and pretty much dominated Saskatchewan in their own house. It's no, it's Mike Sherman just, uh, like I said, having a wrestling match with his microphone and losing. So, oh goodness, that you kind of just throw your hands up in the air and like, oh well, that's that's so Alouettes. Well, that's, that's, well, that's kind of like how the Eskimos are too. At at a point with Moss, right? If he has an antics, that's the first thing they talk about. Not the total ass whooping the Eskimos gave it's how Moss lost his temper right so and that's gonna live forever on YouTube it's gonna be like the yeah. Kerwin Bell ball spike in Toronto <laughs> <laughs> that will never ever go away it's okay I yep. I got a, I have a Moss story myself and I don't know Cliff Cliff is there was when Moss was the quarterback with the Alouettes one of the one of the things we remember the most is him putting the way I think he used to signal either the the, the in motion man or something like that Tapped his, tapped his helmet, the ball threw right over his head. I was like, ah. Uh, yep. Yeah. So. <sighs> Jason lost the Alouettes. We hardly knew ye. Yeah, there you go. So one thing I had to ask, because Cliff and I were talking about this uh, a few weeks ago when the when the Esks were here, and I just wanted to hear your your thought on this, that you know the, the Esks were up by a ton of points. And Kevin Moss, sorry, Kevin Moss, uh, Jason Moss, uh, decides to go ahead and challenge a play in the fourth quarter up by 19 points. As an S fan, I'm sure you are happy, to, you know, to try and stop that the Alouettes aren't going to get any points or that they want to try to point to score some more. But as an Esks fan or a CFL fan, what's your thought on that? Because, you know, a couple weeks later, it, it was done. It was done by by Hamilton. They did the exact same thing and they were up by 44 points at the time. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what's, what's, what's your thought on that? I mean, is that a Bush thing to do, or is it just, that just the that is that just the CFL these days? That that's Moss. Moss is a competitor. He wants to win all the time, and it doesn't matter if he's down by twenty or up by a hundred. He's going to challenge it because he feels that was wrong. What was the challenge on? Sorry, I'm I'm going through my Twitter feed to try to Cliff. Do you remember what it was? I remember they won for the Hamilton. Was it was a DPI? I remember. Oh, here it is. Um, yeah, he was challenging for a DPI. Right. So they were up by 19 points at the time. I think the Owls had just had a long, uh, long catch. It may have been for a touchdown, may not have been. But then he challenged. He challenged for a DPI, and, and it was he got it. But still, you're up 19 in the fourth. Mm-hmm. I just found, I just found it. It was Bush. No, I, again, I don't think so. It's, it's just like people that say you shouldn't run up the score. To me, if your job is a defense. I'd, I'd be more upset if I knew that the team was letting off. Your job yeah. as a defense is to stop the, 
the other team. So if they can't run it up, that that's on you. And to this, and if there if there was a missed penalty, then you want some consistency too, right? So, I mean, if you if it's blatantly obvious and they win the challenge, then obviously the refs didn't do their job or didn't see it enough to do their job. So, I don't know. Maybe it's leaning into having consist consistency, and who knows. Yeah, Kayla, I'm not buying it. <laughs> There's no way know, hell really bother I'm me. buying that. There's no way. I, and I, I, I mean, if it were, guys, if it were in a Western Division opponent, I can get that. <coughs> I can get that. But this is an Eastern Division opponent where the points really don't matter. Even with a crossover, they don't matter. No, they don't. But again, that's Moss. Moss just wants to – he's got his team – Again, we'll go through a wall for this guy yeah, because yeah. you know he's always got his back. Yeah, it's okay. You know what? June Jones did it when Hamilton came here when they were up by forty-four. So uh, yeah. it's okay. Uh, Moss is now second on the douchebag list. June, <laughs> June Jones is first. And wasn't there only like a few minutes left in that game too when he called that? Again, mm-hmm. they're up by forty-four yeah. points. Yeah. And you're, no, I know. Yeah. I no totally lead is safe. Oh yeah. No lead is safe. <laughs> Even that I was annoyed been. at that call. Not to say this isn't arena football, where <laughs> that is usually true. But yeah, no, no. Um, so the Eskimos go into this game, guys. They're favored by they're favored by seventeen points, according to Five Dimes. Um, Cliff and I usually have a back and forth where deciding if it really is worth the amount of points that, you know, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, considering that, you know, Mansell started last week and they were 14-point underdogs, is 17 points, a uh, 17-point line, is it justified this week? Just based on the history, I guess, that the Alouettes have in Edmonton? Um, I don't think so. I mean, honestly, Edmonton tends to pay, play almost down to their opponent level, especially at home. Um, you look at last year, we, I mean, Edmondson beat Montreal 23-19, four point spread. That's true. Uh, I, I honestly, I, if I was a betting man, I would, uh, I would take the points on that one. Wow. I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be that far apart. I mean, again, last year, um, Edmondson beat Montreal by what, 20 points or whatever, 18 points uh, in Montreal, but at home they play a lot tighter. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how, how much how much into betting are you, Kayla? Does, does when I start saying this type of stuff, do you, do you ever look at the lines as an Esks fan, or is it just a matter of I'm just going to go to the game and hope they kick them, they kick their butts by as much as possible? Oh yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I told someone, I, I yeah, I did that once. I told someone like higher, or lower, and oh yeah, they lost by a long shot. So I'm like, okay, I'm retiring from gambling anything. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know now, Cliff. I I I want you to chime in because. 17 points justified or did what Mike say make make a lot of sense? Mike definitely makes a lot of sense and I definitely think the game will definitely be a lot tighter too. If I too were a betting man I would definitely take the points and I would even possibly go for the under too especially based on what we saw last week versus Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Now again I'm not going to compare the Red Blacks to the Eskimos as far as overall talent goes but I mean in both scenarios uh, all the makings are there for a blowout because you go like Quarterbacks that are hitting their stride, uh, receivers that can get open and make plays happen, uh, defense that seems kind of hit or miss more often than not, but somehow, like you said, they, when they play down to their opponents, yeah. anything's possible. So, And I think we saw a lot of that in Ottawa, and it's very possible we could see that too uh, this coming Saturday in Edmonton. So, yeah, I think uh, I definitely think it'll be tight, uh, a lot tighter than 17 points, that's for sure. I mean, I yeah. still won't guarantee a win for Montreal, but I definitely could see this being a very competitive matchup at least a lot more than what a lot of people are giving it credit for yeah 
Okay, guys. I have a question. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, is Manzel starting? Because I know he didn't practice or something today because he was. He had, yeah, a, he had a, an appointment. He had a, he had a medical oh, appointment. So oh. he, he was there, but then he left. But he, it's true. Pipkin did did uh, take most of the reps. Okay. Yeah, so I think a lot will depend on uh, the rest of the week at practice. Whether if Manziel is getting those first team reps, then yes, he's definitely starting. And per uh, coach Mike Sherman, he's supposed to be starting. So uh, as, as it stands right now, Manziel is supposed to be the starter. But I guess we'll see how the rest of the week goes. And uh, I guess that too will make a, a big decision as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think what I'm looking forward to most is the return of Adarius Bowman. Yes. Yeah. Coming back to Edmondson, it's going to be, I think, uh, obviously he did come back in the preseason, uh, actually scored a touchdown, but um, it's going to be great to see him back on the field, even if he's wearing different colors. And he Absolutely. did, he actually did have a good game. You know, he, he did. really didn't do much in Winnipeg, but he actually had a good game last week. So, was right. he 19 now or something? What's his number? Yeah, he's got uh, SJ Green's number 19. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. That's what I thought, yeah. It's the number, man. It's the number. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now, last, last you guys part. see any... Go ahead, oh. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, um, as far as the receiving core goes in Edmonton, I, I mean, you've got some absolute studs out there. <laughs> Is there anyone, though, that's sort of flying under the radar for you guys that might be uh, LOS fans should be paying attention to? I'll let Kayla take this one. Uh, yeah, if anyone knows me well at all, not even well, absolutely 100%. There is someone on this roster that the Eskimos have not been playing that they should be playing, and it's absolutely ridiculous, and that is Bryant Mitchell. I cannot believe that they are letting a talent such as he sit on the sidelines. I It's unfathomable. Like, I get so worked up every time I think (laughs) about it. It's Yeah, I just, I don't get it. It's ridiculous. Like, so many people see his talent outside of the Eskimos, and if they don't start doing something about it, there is no way he's on this team next year. He's a free agent next year, and there is not a team that would be as stupid as the Eskimos are right now to let this wide receiver go. It is stupid. (laughs) To be fair, I mean, for people that don't necessarily follow the Eskimos as close, uh, part of the reason was, I mean, Mitchell was injured for the first part of the season, and then um, when he came back, we had to flip the ratio and have two starting non-import, or national, or whatever they call them nowadays, uh, receivers. So that kind of left Kenny Stafford, who Montreal fans should know, Mm -hmm. um, is having an amazing year, probably his career year so far. Uh, he's number seven in the league in receiving right now. Top seven. Uh, and then, of course, what are you going to do? You're going to bench uh, Duke Williams or, or Darrell Walker? That's not going to happen. So that's why Mitchell's been sitting. However, we did have a little spy at uh, training camp or at a practice today. And uh, Andrew uh, tells me that uh, that Mitchell was getting a lot of reps. So I'm hoping we're going to see him now that we are flipping the ratio back and having four international receivers play in this next game. Yeah, I would honestly, I am super biased, but I also know talent when I see it. I would sit anyone in for Kenny or for um, Bryant Mitchell just to see him get a few, honestly. Like, I know all our receiving core is good. That's awesome. But <laughs> he's also young, right? So I think it's a, just frustrating. Yeah, I think a lot of CFL fans may forget, too, that the ratio is is huge. I could just yes. imagine what it's like to be a head coach and having to juggle these rosters. Yeah. When yeah. you have, as you said, Kaylee, you got this name of this guy. And, and I think Cliff and I have gone through it too over the years. When we think that somebody should be in, they're not, and that they're either released by the end of the year because they're not being played, 
or they're placed on the practice roster and they're picked up by another team. So well, it's, at this point, I hope he gets scooped up because he deserves to play. So, I mean, I'd rather see him play than not. And if it has to be on another team, so be it. But he deserves to play. Derek Taylor said that he predicted he'd be the number one receiver this year. Yep. Wow. Yep. Pretty heady stuff. Yeah. So uh, if he does play, watch number 80. Yeah. Half the year is still to come, but still. Whew, I guess <laughs> About to say, don't get too worked up, Kayla. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I told you I'm like Jason Moss. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we let you guys go, I have to at least ask, when it comes to the game this week, and we talked about it at length already, but um, what is the one thing that the Esks have to do to make sure that the Alouettes do not win? Keep Mike Riley upright. That offensive line just needs to make sure that Riley does what Riley does. And I think everything else will fall into place. Yeah, do the exact opposite of what you did in the second half against BC. It's fine. <laughs> <Not too. laughs> well, yeah. No. It, it, well, you know, if we can get if we can take care of Moss and get our defense off the field and, and get our offense continuously on the field because our time of possession is just killing us, man. It's just killing yeah. us. Um, so, guys, if, if they if nobody ha- ha- hasn't listened to you guys yet, and I want to know why they haven't, but. Uh, <laughs> Where can they find you? Um, where can they find the pod? And where can they find you guys on social media, Kayla? Uh, well, you can find me at Duchess Lombardi on Twitter. Mike? Uh, uh, you can find uh, me at 56 Parkies. Uh, you can find the podcast all over the place. It's uh, downloadable anywhere. Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play Store. Uh, of course, the website probably Kayla should talk about more since that's her baby. Let's <laughs> say I introduced you as Webmistress Kayla, and they're like, uh, "You're not talking about the website." Yeah, <laughs> yes, we have a beautiful website. So, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally gonna screw up our website. Eskempire.ca. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, so we have all of our. Uh, podcast links up on there as well as the weekly blog that i do and all the little bits and bobs um as well as our gallery which i get to take awesome photos of our team fantastic fantastic well, guys you do an absolutely amazing job from the from the pre-show uh over on um uh, on the oh, periscope thank you good lord on periscope <laughs> to what you guys do for the show and it's it's absolutely amazing it was a pleasure to have you guys on and uh uh obviously you guys are welcome back at any time yeah that's thank awesome you for thanks again us. guys once again thanks to mike and to kayla for joining us um it is always great to have the insight and to hear the opinions of our, our family and friends over at the cfl pod network right cliff Absolutely. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm stealing their their, their catchphrase, but absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. <laughs> always a blast. Always a blast to chat with these guys. And uh, folks, if you're not listening to the Eskimo, Eskimo Empire podcast, even if you're not an Eskimo Eskimo fan, so what? They do such a great job. Yeah. Give it a listen. Check them out on Periscope every Monday night before they they start recording. It's just absolute yeah, blast. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like people. a pregame show. That's pretty cool. Exactly. So definitely check them out if you haven't. Go to askempire.ca and uh, yeah, uh, you know it's all it's all about the love here on uh, on the with the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and uh, they're definitely great members. And uh, we're just so happy that they're able to join us this evening to provide the uh, the insight, if you will, from an Edmonton perspective. Yeah. 
So let, let's talk about a little bit of CFL news first before we actually go back to our how we think with the with the game coming up this week um, versus the Esks. Um, during the game, this is very weird. During the game, a twi- Twitter tweet was posted by Deron Carter, basically saying thanks to everybody in Saskatchewan, and then it's actually broken by the CFL and then by anybody who's anybody who's a CFL insider that Deron Carter's been released. He was released by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, is currently a free agent, um, and at the moment as we, ta- as we tape, there are currently four teams, one being the Alouettes that are currently uh, at least, quote-unquote, interested in his services. Uh, I'm trying to remember the last time, Cliff, where there has been this type of breaking news during a CFL game that has garnered this much interest, not only during the broadcast, but also on social media. Yeah, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to think of another instance like this. And it's funny, like I was at, obviously at the game, so I wasn't paying too much attention to social media, just other than the occasional tweet. But uh, when you texted me and told me that Deron Carter was, you know, sent out this tweet, and I took a look at it, I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah, you and I were thinking one thing, but, uh, you know, we're thinking NFL, but then it's kind of, you know, we thought to ourselves, well, that can't be the case because it's not the, at the end of the year, and... But yeah, um, I, I sort of interrupted you there. I apologize, but yeah, I, I just I just found it very very weird, for, especially that everybody everybody just went so basically bonkers on this thing. Yeah, and again, Ryder Nation just blew right up. Essentially, I mean, I, the thing about Duran is he's a very polarizing person. You either absolutely love him or absolutely hate him. There's very little in between. And those that love him were, of course, understandably upset at seeing him go and of course naturally the blame is going to go towards chris jones because he basically runs things in saskatchewan he's the coach the general manager vp football operations uh sells popcorn uh, sweeps up afterwards i mean he does everything in out in saskatchewan yeah so of course he also is going to get the the blame when things like this happen and of course chris jones is no stranger to cutting what much beloved rough riders uh you think back to weston dressler john chick Darian Durant, and now you can believe it or not, add Deron Carter to this list. Uh, Deron was absolutely loved out in Saskatchewan, and he loved them back. That's yeah. the, the amazing thing is he loved playing in Saskatchewan. So I'm sure this had to be a, a bit of a surprise for him too, but uh, yeah, they, they decided that they were going in a different direction, despite the fact that Duran was doing a great job working not just as a receiver, but also on defense for the Saskatchewan Roughriders, helping them out. Uh it's, on, on the surface, it seems hard to believe that you would release a player of this caliber, but more as more reports keep coming in and other people sort of chiming in as to why Duran was released, uh, came down to the simple fact that uh, maybe he was just too much for them to handle. Uh, I mean, Chris Jones has been uh, one of his biggest backers, but uh, I guess everybody's got a breaking point, and one can't help but wonder if maybe that's the reason why Duran is no longer a writer is because... Maybe he's just not worth the hassle, the extra attention that he requires. Uh, I mean, it, it's so hard to say. I mean, I, I've known Duran for a long time, and I think he's an absolutely outstanding human being, a fantastic football player. Uh, quite frankly, why things didn't work out in Saskatchewan, I can't say. Uh, I've got my theories as to why it didn't work out in Montreal the first time around. I say first time around technically because he did leave to go to the NFL and left on good terms, but then... In 2016, he was released along with Kenny Stafford for 
number of reasons. It's just these are the sort of things that just sort of follow Duran throughout his career. It's yeah. just he's a very difficult person to get along with at times, and sometimes his effort level isn't always there either. Allegedly, I mean, I've always seen him ball out, so it's it's really hard for me to say. But I mean, there's just so many unanswered questions, and even though people are answering questions, it just it still doesn't quite compute to me. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, the riders are going to move on without him, and Duran will land on his feet. There's no question about that to me. It's just a matter now of with whom will he land on his feet with. Yeah, that's true. And uh, just as we're talking, by the way, Cliff, uh, Taylor Shire uh, is with uh, Global uh, and Regina. Uh, he had an interview with uh, with, with uh, Duran Carter, which uh, if you have, uh, we're going to listen to um, once we finish taping of the show, but he he talks about uh, you know talks about being cut and uh, where it, what what his future entails. Do, do you agree with what they say with him being a diva it, that he sulks when he doesn't get the ball when he doesn't get the targets? Um, the, I mean, there were there were some issues. I mean, there's nothing against nothing against him. He, I mean, he's great with the fans. He I mean, he's he's uh, you got to admit he's great on social media too. You can't you can't dispute that. Um, no. But uh, a lot of people said that he's a diva. Do you actually agree with that assessment? Uh, I really don't. Uh, and again, you want to call me a homer for him or whatever, then that's fine. Like I said, I've known Duran since 2013 when he was just a nobody on the practice squad here in Montreal. That's how long I've known Duran. And in all my dealings with him, he's been nothing but a prince. Now, to be fair, I don't work with him on a football level, so maybe I can't really, I can't really speak to that experience of him. But you're absolutely right. He's great with fans. Uh, he just tries to live his life. And I think even that seems to rankle some people, which I just can't understand. Uh, call him a diva. I mean, it, it I to mean, me, all it, players it just, want it, the it's, ball. It's true. Every, all players want, I exactly. Guess, like who doesn't want the football thrown? Them? That's your job as a wide receiver. And if he was such a diva, when Chris Jones told him, Hey, we need you to go work on defense. He did it. He, 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 he again, this is a team guy. He's just maybe not all the time, but I mean, like, as far as I'm concerned, like he did what was asked of him and with no complaints. I mean, and let's be honest, Deron Carter as defensive back plays like a wide receiver because that's what he is as a wide receiver. Uh, for me, as far as I'm concerned, like that sort of put Deron behind the eight ball more than anything else. And he didn't complain. He didn't, you know, bellyache about not being, you know, his stats and everything like that and not being able to get, I'm sure he was probably had a few bonuses that were probably lined up. If he was receiver and would have been able to meet those, he would have been making more money, but no, he, he did what he wanted to do. He loved being a rough rider. He wanted to help out the team. So ends up playing on defense. What it wasn't the greatest defensive back, but you know what? He still went out there and did his job to me. That's not diva. As far as I'm concerned. Uh, I mean, as far as his attitude goes and everything like that, I mean, Listen, that's I think a lot of that is just sort of put on like he even calls himself a character at times. Right. So I think a lot of the stuff that people see kind of gets overblown and people just assume the worst automatically. And honestly, I really don't see that in Duran. And I think maybe it's just a matter of working with him a little bit more and really making him giving him the the opportunity to be himself. I think that's all he really wants is just a chance to be himself. And he's just. A fun-loving guy. He's he admits too. He's a big kid. He he just wants to have fun. He doesn't want to take things too seriously. Nothing really seems to bother him too much. So just let the man live. Like I don't I don't know how you could screw that up in Saskatchewan, but maybe that's that's just what it is. And 
whoever ends up with him next, whether he does come back to Montreal or goes to another team, this is what you're going to have to prepare yourself for. And to me, as far as I'm concerned, he's got the talent and it's worth some of the hassle. It's just let him let Duran be Duran and great things are going to happen. Right. We saw that in 2014. He was a superstar. He played like a beast and he has that potentially. And even in 2016, when he came back, he was playing pretty well, uh, despite the Alouettes not having the greatest record and all sorts of discord with the coaching staff and the quarterbacking situation. Duran still played very good football, and he was playing really good football in Saskatchewan and came within one game of going to a great cup last year. That's not on Duran, but, I mean, he's going to shoulder a lot of the blame, and he's going to take a lot of grief because of who he is and his personality. And at least he accepts that, and he even kind of thrives in that role a little bit. So there's a lot to take in when it comes to Deron Carter. And to me, I think it's well worth the effort. I mean, whoever does land him is still going to get a hell of a football player. It's just let Deron be Deron. That's the only thing I can say is just let him do what he does best. And it's going to be well worth it. You're going to maybe deal with a little bit of a headache and he is a bit of a personality, but you know what? That's all it is. It's personality. That's right. all it is really with him. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. And I don't know if he, if he would be a fit in Montreal or not. Um, you know, we have our, our we have other things we really need to, to, to deal with first. But uh, uh, I'm sure we'll have an update on this by our next show. Uh, hey, so Cliff, uh, the CFO is once again bringing back their Diversity is Strength uh, campaign. Um, it is very interesting to see which... I want to, you know, the, uh, these trailblazers, these, uh, it's, there's so many words that we can give to these men and women as we found it. And, and I had totally forgotten that the Ottawa Rough Riders had a, the first women, woman GM in uh, pro football, pro history, I think it's, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's great to see that this league has brought this stuff back and is recognizing that and just showing that, uh, you know, Canada, CFL, uh, you know, this sport in general is just a huge melting pot of people from every walks of life. And it's a great way, again, I think it's for the second year in a row. And it was funny how it came out last year right after the, uh, after the issue that happened in the States. Um, but, you know, to continue it now, I think, you know, what, what better way to, to celebrate than, than how they're doing? Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're now focusing on each team and how they... Uh, they sort of uh, work into this whole diversity of strength program. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, the fact that uh, each team feels represented and just to show, and you get to learn too. And like, even if you're a fan of the team, you kind of already know the story, at least you should, but it, for, uh, for outsiders that uh, may not follow a certain team in the CFL, but now you're starting to learn a little bit more of their history. And again, just uh, it all, it's all part of the fabric of this league. And it's, it's so cool. Uh, I just think it's a great o- a learning opportunity for fans of pretty much the entire league, just learning about uh, the these trailblazers that you talk about uh, for different teams. And it's amazing. The fact that it's not just men, but like you said, women are involved as well. Mm-hmm. People of color are involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, regardless of politics, regardless of any of the other stuff that's sort of surrounding us nowadays with uh, when it comes to diversity, I, I think the CFL is, they've got it down. And it, the fact that they're featuring so many of these outstanding individuals is truly, truly amazing. And I'm so happy to see that uh, Montreal's is uh, Herb Trawick, 
uh, who was basically the Jackie Robinson of his time. That's true. Yeah. It's funny, funny re- you say Jackie Robinson. Him and Jackie Robinson were playing in Montreal at the exact time, same time. Jackie, after breaking the, the color barrier and playing with the Royals here in Montreal, and Trout was also playing for, for the Owls at the time. Exactly. I mean, that to me, that, wow. <laughs> you, you, you want to talk about celebrating diversity? You want to talk about people that have sacrificed so much to help grow this league to what it is today? I mean, that's it's, it right there. It's funny, I mean, that's, how you, that's funny. Yeah, it's funny how you look at the city of Montreal. Most people really don't think of Montreal in that way. But, you know, Montreal uh, having two major, I don't, I don't want to say accomplishments. That's really not the right word to use. But I think you understand where I'm getting at is that two significant uh, milestones in this, one, in this great city is, uh, you know, awe. It's just awe-inspiring. And it just shows you how, how much... You know, when it comes to Montreal and, and how, you know, how much of a melting pot that we are, you know, it doesn't matter from where you're from, what you do, what race you are, what religion. Montreal is, is uh, like many cities in Canada, but it's just a very open city. Um, also, CFL has also set up a, a specific page on their website where you can see all the stories of these great people. Head over to cfl.ca slash d. I S that's as it is and as in diversity is strength. Also head over to, uh, over to the Twitter sphere, put in the diversity is, is strength, a hashtag or rep your roots and see what everybody is saying across the country when it comes to their stories and how they feel when it comes to diversity. Um, it could be anything. I said, rep your roots. Could be anything from a flag to a color to, uh, to, to anything just uh head over to twitter check it out and uh, uh uh put a little bit more knowledge into your noggin that's 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 what i, I think it's the best way of putting it mm-hmm. um, i mean football like the canadian football league already d- does such an outstanding job of uniting everybody for the one common goal and that is canadian football and you're talking about people from all walks of life and it's easy to see where like for us this this is seamless like it, it's so normal for cfl fans to Get together, regardless of what team you cheer for, where whatever city you're in, just to go and watch a football game and do all that together. Like regardless of the things that you talked about, whether it was race or sexuality, anything like that. Like people are coming together for one common goal, and that's football. And we see now, especially with a lot of these uh, these pioneers, is they've been doing it for years. It's just it never really never really got the attention that it did now. So I'm, the, the fact that this is coming out now and we're basically shining a light on it and celebrating it really mm-hmm. is like as, again it, it's just it's just truly amazing just the fabric that this this league is built upon and it's it's truly truly wonderful. Yeah. Um lastly, we were talking about it a little bit before with the guy from the from the uh, Eskimos Empire Pod. Uh, we want to give our quick thoughts before we finish up our show about the game itself, um, this week versus the Eskimos, what's what what is it? I mean, first we have the main thing we gotta see how Manziel is doing and see how he goes in. You know, starting uh, his third career game in the CFL. Um, I I just think that the they had the Alouettes need to give their defense a break. I mean, because you're talking about Mike Riley, we know he can put it up the yards. He has a usually a great game plan. And how he's going to get the ball and try to get the ball into the end zone. Um, what what are your points and what do you see as what the Owls need to do in order to 
to get their get their uh, win, second win on the road. Hmm. Uh, okay, we we've already seen what Mike Riley can do. I mean, he just straight up shredded the Alouettes a couple weeks ago, and that's what he does. I mean, even when he's he, if he starts out a little bit slow, sooner or later he realizes that he's Mike Riley and just goes to work. And Montreal cannot afford to take their foot off the gas by any stretch. Uh, if Manziel is playing the way he played in Ottawa, again, once he gets that connection down with his receivers, they're going to move the chains and they're going to score points. It's it's coming. I see it. And they're going to have to find a way to do that. And if they can't do it with receivers, then for God's sakes, hand the ball off to Sutton because he will get you those yards. He will score you those points. And you're going to have to score points against Edmonton. There's just no two ways about it. They're, they're just uh, up and down from top to bottom that this team is stacked with talent and a lot more talent than we saw in Ottawa this past weekend. Um, Mike Riley, his receivers are just, they're on another level altogether. Mm -hmm. And you got CJ Gable in the backfield. He can still slice and dice. He can still get those yards as well on the ground. I I mean, this is as far as I, as I'm concerned, a very complete football team. Uh, Montreal can ill afford to make any mistakes. Uh, Defense has to get off the field and, They've got to get to Riley. They've got to make him uncomfortable. They've got to shut down those receivers as much as possible. But really, truly, like you said, the, this team, this defense, they give up so many yards. They've got to find a way to knock it off. They've got to find a way to shut down Mike Riley by any means necessary. And just they cannot be on the field for three quarters of the game. That's all there is to it. No, I, I, I agree. I think if they can if they can control the ball a little bit more, just at least give them another give them another seven minutes, another ten minutes. Um, you know, keep Suddy in the game when it comes to the rushing attack, but use him wisely. Uh, it just seems that you know Manziel's able to go to all the receivers. You know, it's just one thing that seems to be happening over the past couple of weeks. Cliff is that the you know they're dropping the ball, and these are these are plays that are you know that would easily put them in scoring contention. It's just a, it's got to stop. And hopefully that I mean they've been able seem to be able to get their penalties in check. Thank God, because uh, <laughs> that was such a, a huge pain in the butt when it came to the first couple weeks of the year. Um, you know, and uh, if Manziel can keep going, if he is full, completely healthy, uh, his you know, Suddy and him running attack could be oh man, and his passing it could be an interesting game. As I said, it's just a matter of they got to focus. And they have to make sure that uh, see if they can break this streak in Edmonton because it's a real pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, but again, if Johnny Mansell doesn't feel like he's going to get that connection with his receivers, then he really does have to lean on Sutton. And I'm not talking about as a checkdown receiver either. He's got to actually hand off the ball and let the man do work. I mean, that's your workhorse right there. I keep saying it over and over again. Sutton will get you those yards. He will move the ball. And if the O-line can actually come together a little bit more. And for the most part, I felt they were giving Manziel decent prote- protection during that first half against Ottawa. I mean, say what you will about this offensive line. It's It's been a work in progress, and it has been for the past couple of years. But I really felt that Manziel was able to see the, the field a lot better. And as a result, the potential there was to make plays. It's just a matter of now the receivers have to sort of get on the same page with their quarterback. And if they can do that, watch out, because uh, I definitely see – a lot of potential there uh, potential I, I wasn't necessarily seeing before but Mansell definitely is coming in a lot more prepared uh he came in came in very poised like i said against ottawa and i have a feeling if he's if he's able if he's able to clear out the cobwebs he didn't suffer a concussion and he's ready to go 
if he has himself, uh, no, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say those words, but <laughs> if Manziel and his receivers can really, truly get on the same page during practice, I, I think we'll definitely see a very good competitive football game. There Can't guarantee go. a win because yeah, you're like me. We, we don't predict wins and losses here in this show. So it's, yeah, we, we can't. And yeah. I just want to see a good football game again. And by and large, it wasn't the prettiest football game this past Saturday in Ottawa, but it was a good competitive football game. And I'd like to see more of that. And I have a feeling that as Menzel develops and grows and is given that confidence to run this team, it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I really think that, uh, like I said, something is here. There is a foundation here, mm-hmm. and that's all. I, that's from this, the very first show of the season. I said Montreal has to be building a foundation towards something better, and I'm starting to see a lot of that now. Believe it or not, with Johnny Manziel as quarterback of this team, I, I, I never thought I'd say those I words, know, but I know. I... It, it, it's unbelievable. Like what a, what a difference a week makes. Yeah. <laughs> even yeah. Uh, quick before we go, to want to give a quick shout out to the guys over. At the uh, at the Alouettes uh, uh, Zone Rouge, uh, the the boutique. I went over there on Friday, Cliff, and they have some quite some nice new merch. Um, they have. Uh, I was able to pick up a um, uh, what is going to be the logo for the Owls. I guess their minimalist logo for their helmets next month. Uh, for the for the A logo, as the, you can head over to my uh, over to my Twitter and see that over at R E P P A C T. Um, but also, and something that you and I are both drooling at, because I think we saw this after the show last, after we taped the show last week, and we're drooling and we're trying to do something. We're going to try to do something for the show here. But man, those Marv Levy satin jackets by starter. Oh, can you see yourself in one of those? Oh, I, I, and I'm telling you right now, I said it last week on Twitter, but uh, anyone who wants to buy Tim and I those jackets, these beautiful satin starter jackets. Oh. You will be friends of the show for life. I'm talking gold star. I don't know what the level is there, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what benefits I could offer right now. But I'm telling you right now, Who you buy Patreon? us those jackets. Who needs Patreon? You can be an Alouette, so you can have an Alouette Flight Deck gold star. <laughs> exactly. For life. I'm telling you right now, these jackets are so sweet. Yeah, they're really that's... nice. They're, they're, so. Yeah, they're props to, to Cam and the guys over there. We were able to get some of the new merch. They got some nice new merch. So head over there, and obviously, if you're a season ticket holder, don't forget to get you have a you have a uh, you can use your season ticket uh, uh, discount. Also, they are going to be open again this Friday. This Friday from uh, from three to eight p.m. You don't have to wait till the next home game to buy the new merch to check it out and go there without worrying about the crowds and uh, just check out the new merch. And uh, uh, they got some great stuff there, including Cliff those 2010. Delta logo throwback jerseys that they wore. Oh, they're a sight to see, man. They are they're not on the website. They're not on the website. They're a sight to see in person, and they got a whole bunch of them available for you to, to purchase oh. if you want, man. They're just gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Go. Oh. So folks, what, can... what what more what more do you want, folks? I mean, like that's that's it right there. If you're an Alouettes fan, you need to get some swag. I mean, that's this is the time. And again, if if for no other reason Go to the Alouette store and just check out that satin jacket because I tell you right now, like just seeing the pictures of it and you're drooling. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and Tim, you tried one on. Like, oh, are they not man, great? Man, they're so. It's what I remember because you and I were talking about it. You had a, a Niners one. I actually had a Blue Jays one as a kid. These things, man. Oh, they're just a. They're. 
they can't be i don't think you know they really can't be worn as a full winter jacket but man could you see ourselves in those going to gray cup oh ah. hell yeah oh yeah man <laughs> i'm telling you like and you know what people that like non alouettes fans have always told me they love that delta logo if they see the delta logo and the montreal script in the back the that 70s script on the back People are going to be salivating. They're, they're going to. We may not survive. People are going to be ripping that jacket off Ooh, and keeping it for themselves. We got groupies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, Cliff, I will talk to you soon, sir. I'll talk to you this. Uh, I'll talk to you obviously during this week during the game. Um, don't forget, we have our next home game next Friday versus the Argos. So, for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on final approach. Take off. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.